So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 out of the Amplified Bible. The Bible says this love that's in your heart that you can yield to or not yield to, this love that's in you is patient and kind, endures long and is patient and kind. <laughs> it's one thing to endure long, but everybody knows you're enduring. <laughs> it's another thing to endure long and be like this. Nobody knows I'm enduring long because I don't need to show it. Amen. I'm kind, calm, under pressure, patient with unlovely people. What is that? That's you growing up spiritually and yielding to the love of God in you. What's the opposite? Staying a baby, moving right along. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious. I don't know what they want. I don't know why they got that. I remember one time we got a Corvette, bought it from Keith Moore, Corvette convertible. Some people had a problem with that in the church. They thought I should sell it because pastors shouldn't have that. And I said, Lord, I'm thinking about selling this car. He said, don't do it because you're not making people envious. You're pulling envy out of them that was already in them and they needed to see it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't think he's talking about you, is he? I'm serious. I said, Lord, I don't want to make people envious. He says, your car's not going to make anybody envious. What it's going to do is it's going to shine a spotlight on something that's already in them and they need to deal with it. I had people say, we have a problem with you guys living in that house you live in. This was years ago. We have a problem with you living in that nice house. We have a problem with that. We have a problem. Well, let us pray for you so that problem goes away. If you've got a problem, let us help you. <laughs> we don't got a problem with it. God don't got a problem. You got a problem? We pray. We, we like to pray and see people free from problems. Amen. I bet you wouldn't have a problem with it if we gave it to you. <laughs> Amen. All right, moving right along. Wait, wait to hear about some of the things we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. You're going, to, you're going to love this. Love is never envious, nor does it boil over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. In other words, when you do good things for people, you do not want recognition. When you're really walking in this greatness of love, listen closely, church, the nature of love is you don't even know you're great. Great people, true great people, do not have consciousness of themselves being great. It's their nature to do what they're doing. And they're not looking for applause. They're not looking for recognition. Love doesn't look for that stuff. You see the actions of love. This is part of the invisible part. We're, we're not looking for hand claps, appreciation notes, or anything. This is just who we is. We don't display ourselves haughtily. What's the next word? What else? What else are we? Love is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. Love is not rude. Can I just say this? You know how when you were dating, before you got married, you'd be very careful not to be rude toward one another? It's not supposed to stop after you've been married 10 years. You're still, still supposed to have some manners and some courtesy. Just because you're married, it's not everything just goes. Oh, I'm married. I get <laughs> violating love. How many want the protection of the Lord 24-7? These things, love is not seen as some explosion of almightiness. Love is seen in everyday little things that nobody will even notice. 
And that's God. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not... Uh-oh, what is this? Love does not insist on its own rights. I have a biblical right to do this. But you may not have a love right to do it. So you better slow down. If you want the full protection of the Lord in your life and you want to be the kind of person God is, your father is, you're going to have to get to the point to realize just because you have a right to do it doesn't mean it's right to do it. That's actually connected with selfishness. All selfishness is based on I have a right. I have a free will. As we grow in the Lord, life is no longer about what pleases me. Life is about what pleases God and what helps people. I'm telling you, as you grow in the Lord, your decisions are more about what pleases God than what pleases you. All decisions. How many... Do you know that Jesus is Lord? That means Jesus is our master. Did you realize you have a master? He's a very loving, benign master. He loves us greatly. Best master in the universe. Wanting only the best for you. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for love is not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. Everybody say, we got some growing to do. All right. Takes no account of the evil done to it. Oh, did that, that scoundrel did that to you? What are you talking about? Oh, the one that lied about you and, 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 and threatened. The, man, can you believe? What are you talking about? I don't keep record of that wrong. I'm not down in the mud anymore. Do you understand that? I've come up. I've come up to higher places beyond this world's comprehension. Love takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong, does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but it's happy when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under everything and anything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Amen. If you can't find one thing right with a person and they have white teeth, focus on that. If you want the shield of God, if you want the best blessings and benefits of walking in love, and if you want to just be, what's the best thing you could be as a person of love? Right? Believes the best of every person. Love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. That's like a benefit of love. And love endures everything without weakening. Right? You, didn't, you need to go on there. Keep next verse. Does not rejoice in injustice. Keep going. Love bears up under everything and anything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. All right. So let's just talk a little bit about the love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Let's just jump down to the meat. Can we do that, church? Um. Friday night was interesting in the church here. I don't know if, if you weren't here, if you heard about it, but we had a pretty interesting night. 
in our Friday night service. And the Lord gave me freedom to share some things that I don't always have freedom to share. Um, I, um, I'm very particular about not sharing something just because I'm stirred up in the emotions or heard another good preacher share it or whatever. But um, there's something that stirred up in me recently. And I actually feel like the Father told me this morning that he would really, really appreciate it if I would share with his kids at Faith Heights and whoever's watching through online or media, that if I would share these things, he says, son, I know that if you're thinking that if you share these things, that some of the people aren't going to like it. Some of the people are going to be maybe a little offended. Some may be a lot offended. Some might leave your church, son, but would you still share it for me? I said, I'll do it. Now, let me just give you a little background. Carla and I have been believing God for 30 plus years to see this church grow into what we know it's supposed to be, which to me is a thousand plus people. And it's been a struggle. And we've got some fresh revelation about some things we'll share with you the next few weeks and months that we feel the Lord would like to do in our church to really help this to happen. And sharing something like this in my natural mind would be the opposite of that happening. <laughs> you know, in case, you know, in case somebody took it wrong or something. But I said, gosh, I said, Lord, all right, I'll share it. I'll share it. Anybody hear of Gideon's revival? That revival went from thousands to 300. <laughs> Not the kind of revival we, we really want, right? We don't want that kind of revival where you go from 1,000 to 300. But it was an amazing revival because those 300 did an exploit that's recorded in scriptures forever. But I need to talk about something, though. As a, as a pastor of this church, um, I really believe it's time to address this a little more. If you were here three Sundays ago, we talked about Perdition prevention. Preventing believers from drawing back so far that they're destroyed. The Bible talks about believers drawing back to perdition. The Bible talks about believers in the last days departing from the faith. Jesus said in the last days, just before he comes, that because sin would abound, the love of many would wax cold. Well, that's happening. It's happening all around us right now. And the reason it's not real clear, I think, is because deception has covered it so well and also because maybe pastors and preachers haven't taken the initiative to really proclaim it like they should. A lot of light for our lives comes forth in local churches when the Spirit of God moves upon your leadership and brings forth revelation. And without that, you'll be walking in darkness until you get to heaven. And it's bumping into all kinds of things and being shot at. And so preachers sometimes have to share these scriptures and we have to move into these areas because of certain issues that must be addressed. There's a lot at stake here. I mean, there's, there's some heavy things going on. And so if you would, please, if I, don't, if I don't say everything, well, let me just put it this way. Oh, how about this? How about you help me with some prayer and then we'll believe God that we're hearing exactly what we need to hear. <laughs> Is that all right? Father, for the rest of this service, we're asking for your help. Lord, since you've chosen me, which I don't know exactly why sometimes, but you've chosen me to speak this word, I, we come into agreement as a church that it would be the exact word that we need to hear. No artificial additives, no opinions of mine. Let it be 100% you from your heart and from your word to us today. And I just pray that we would all have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a willingness to live out that which you give us today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would please turn to Proverbs 20. 
And don't, don't put it up on the screen yet, but we'll, we'll go to Proverbs chapter 20. And, um, and just stick with me here. You, you, might not think, you might think this is going a certain direction and it's not going that direction. But um, I feel weird standing up here on the stage, but I said I was going to do that today. So I'll keep my word. But Proverbs chapter 20. Let's, let's look at verse 1. And don't think you know where we're going with this until you hear everything, okay? Solomon said, wine is a mocker. Now somebody tell me, what are we reading out of here? We're reading out of the Bible. Wine is a mocker. Does that sound good? Strong drink is raging. And whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is because I have talked to people from More Life Ministries, Vicki Sharon from Las Vegas, um, Ken Blunt, and they've talked to Willie George, and we know the Pearsons, Kenneth Copeland's pastor, has dealt with these situations. There's something happening in the body of Christ right now that if it's not adjusted quickly, it's going to take some people in some areas that they don't want to end up, and it's going to lead some others in certain areas they don't want to be. And I'm going, to, I'm going to say three weeks ago when we talked about perdition prevention, one of the things I felt led to bring up is that drinking alcohol is totally out of control in churches. It's gone to a level that has to be addressed. Um, I'm, you know, I want you to understand that I'm not doing this because it bothers me personally. I'm doing this because I'm seeing something as a whole that's really hurting the church. It's hurting the church's witness. It's hurting people physically. It's hurting marriages. Um, you know, sometimes you just you say, well, why, why pastor, are, are you against this? Why, why are you? Well, it's not that I'm against it. What I'm against is what's happening to people who are going too far with certain things that maybe at one time were to a degree okay and it's really hurtful. I mean, you, you, when you, if you're not in a pastor situation, you don't see the early deaths like we do. You might see a little bit. You don't see the domestic violence. You don't see the child abuse. You don't, you don't see the um, divorce. You don't see the adulteries. That's all connected to a lot of this excessive alcohol consumption. You don't see that. So sometimes preachers are just hurt, and they share sometimes out of their hurt because they know that this can stop. Man, if we would just, if we would just adjust this or even just abstain from it, none of this, 90% of this would be gone. It never starts out as child abuse with a glass of wine. It never does. It never starts off with adultery. It never starts. It, it, well, let me put it. What am I saying? It never ends there. It starts with that, and then it builds and builds, and pretty soon... It goes into something that now is uncontrollable and a lot of people are hurt and things take place that shouldn't take place. But I want you to see this scripture now. What does this mean? Wine is a mocker. What does that mean? It means it's not good and you can be deceived in this area, which means you totally think you're right, but you're not. Deception is not knowing you're deceived. And my, my thing here is I'm just going to say caution. When it comes to should Christians, could, can Christians, should Christians drink wine or not drink wine, I'm going to give you a caution today. Slow down and check your heart and ask yourself, 
Why are you doing this? Why do you want this? And do you have to have it? Turn to another scripture, Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. And let's read those verses, Lucas, that I gave you. And don't think I'm not going to go to Jesus turned water to wine. We sang about it today. Right? But here's the thing, church. Are we more caught up with the wine or the miracles that this world needs? What are we more caught up with? The wine? There's some people, they know three scriptures about drinking wine, but they know no scriptures about taking up your cross and following Him. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Full commitment to the Lord. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Laying your life down for your brother. Loving the Lord, not just Him loving us. They know a few scriptures about wine, but they don't know these scriptures about commitment to God. How many know if you only know the scriptures about wine that maybe look like it is allowed, you're going to be way out of balance when it comes to living a, a Christian life that you are supposed to live and others around you would like you to live. You've got to know more than scriptures that just promote what you think you want and what you want. You've got to know some scriptures that you don't want to know. Here's some things you don't want to hear. Proverbs 23, verse 29. How many think Jesus knew these scriptures? You know he did. He was a good Jewish boy. He learned them all when he was very young. Kept learning as he grew up. Who has woe? Anybody want woe? How many people want woe? What is woe? I don't know exactly what it is, but I know I don't want it. <laughs> I don't know the exact meaning of it, but I know I don't want woe. I don't want no angel going before me. Woe unto you. <laughs> I don't want Jesus going woe unto you. I don't want any woes. Anybody want any woes? Woe. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Now you think it would have said, who wants to get free from sorrow? Who wants to get relaxed when you're stressed? He's saying the opposite. Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has babbling? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Don't look upon the wine when it's red and when it gives his color in the cup, when it moves itself all right. Now stop right there. Wine comes in different forms. Or why say this? Hmm? Now, our culture and our flesh would love to believe that every time wine is mentioned in the Bible, it's all fermented. It's all alcoholic. Isaiah 65, 8 says that the wine is in the cluster. Well, I ain't no alcohol in a cluster of grapes. Now... Here's the thing I think we need to ask ourselves. Well, let me, let me get to that in a minute. Don't look. Okay, so we're not even supposed to look at it if it's fermented. That's what he's saying here if you look up the word in the Hebrew. We're not even supposed to look at it, let alone drink it, if it's got potential in there to do damage. Solomon, this is you. Tell him it's you. It's not me. <laughs> I didn't say this. Right? Don't look on the wine when it's red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moves itself right. He's talking about wine that's turned to fermented wine. 
Alcoholic wine. He said, don't look at it. Why? Because you might drink it. So what? Well, then you might drink another drink. Well, so what? Then it might lead to four. Then it might lead to some of these other things. Here's the thing we need to ask ourselves, church, okay? And we'll get to the Jesus, the water, wine, Timothy's stomach. We'll get to all that if we have time. But listen to this. Are we leading little lambs that the Lord sends to our church away from dangerous situations or closer to dangerous situations by drinking alcohol? Are we leading little lambs away from potential problems that these things cause or closer to those problems? And I have a newsflash for you. I found something better than alcohol. I was driving to church today and I felt like the Spirit of God said, Son, if you have God in you, why do you need alcohol in you? If you have God in you, why do you need alcohol in you? Is He not enough to take care of your sorrow? Is He not enough to take care of your problem? Is He not enough? Huh? Church, you need to understand, guys, there's a move of God wanting to happen in this generation. There's a major move of God wanting... The problem is, people are more hungry for some other things than that. People are more hungry for certain other things. And here's the thing. So much of this alcohol consumption is connected with the world's way of getting relief. The world's way of getting uh, stress bubbles popped or whatever, which they find out really doesn't work. Oh, come on, church. Jesus... People say, well, Jesus drank wine. That's the big stronghold in people's minds. Are you telling me that Jesus violated these scriptures? Are you telling me that he actually violated these scriptures that talk about alcoholic wine and he drank? Are you telling me? You'd have to stretch your imagination to say that the water he turned wine was even fermented. If the wine's in the cluster, you have to stretch, you have to add to scriptures. To say that this was alcoholic wine. I'm not saying there wasn't alcoholic wine back then, but there was also non-fermented, just like there is today. How many of you know it's not wine because of the alcohol? Look it up. There is is non-alcoholic wine that some of these professional wine tasters are saying tastes as good, if not better, than the alcoholic wine. Alcohol doesn't make it wine. And to say that Jesus drank wine, friend, he didn't even call it that. He could have. He could have. He could have said, I'm not going to drink this wine with you till I see you in heaven. He said, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of this vine until I see you in heaven. And the way some people have been dealing with this, they're actually, they're actually thinking that God's encouraging to drink alcoholic beverages. But pastor, pastor, the governor of the feast said, this is good wine. It's so good. Well, if the alcohol is what made it good, why don't you just jump to vodka? If that's what made it good. Plus, you don't say, you don't even know what the alcohol content is the moment you taste it. He said it was good because of the way it tasted. Friend, I had a mini vision. As I was talking to Vicki Sharon two days ago about these things, because she had taught on this and Willie George has taught on it. And by the way, let me just say this. 
One of the things that has put it in my heart to, to preach this and to live this, we haven't you know, had any alcohol for 30-some years. And I'm not saying that in a prideful. I'm just saying we just have got something better and never wanted it. And we're happy people. Sometimes I'm so happy Carl, Carl has to calm me down. We go to parties sometimes and they're drinking. I'm more wild than they are. And I don't drink. Tell me you have to have that stuff to have a good time. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. But you know what? All, all of my fathers in the faith, Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, Keith Moore, Mark Hangins, the list goes on. There's something about fathers in the faith that you should be interested in. And some of it is how they live, what they do, what they don't do. Because if you're called to be under them, then the Lord knows we're to follow them as they follow the Lord. And none of them, none of them drink. Don't want it. Don't need it. I want their journey. I want to a degree their end. But I will say this. That's not why we don't drink. That's just another thing that we realize fits into our life because I don't want something else that I'm not called to. Friend, just ask yourself this question. Is what is what is your reputation? And you, how many of you, know, you don't have to be seen in a restaurant drinking alcohol? It's going to get out. <laughs> how many of you want your reputation bringing people closer to a dangerous situation or further away from a dangerous situation. I don't think anybody here would argue today that alcohol consumption does lead to many disastrous things. So let me, let me say this again. Don't look on the wine when it's red and it gives its color. Go to the next verse. At last, it bites like a serpent why do you even want to get close to a serpent? Why do you even want to get within 10 feet from a serpent? Do you know the Bible, it didn't say flee evil. It said flee the appearance of it. That's not even evil. At last it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. That you're, all right. Wives, I don't know about you, but if your husband was, was involved in some of these things, I'd, I wouldn't be happy with it. Because your eyes will behold strange women. Let's, don't cover, let's uncover this thing today. Wine, wine, alcohol, beer, all that is really close to lust. Actually, Peter talked about it in 1 Peter chapter 4. He said that excessive wine and orgies and immorality and lust and wild parties and worshiping false idols all is in the same verse. Well, I'm not excessive. Why would you want to even be one step before that? When you could be over here praying in tongues, fellowshipping with other believers about the things of God and the powers of the world to come and heaven and glory and winning souls and life and love. Willie George says that, you know, he's pastor of a huge church in uh, uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Um, what did he say about the connection that he found out in his church? Okay, this is what Willie George said. He said that if a husband and a wife allow alcohol into their home, in their marriage, one of them will eventually end up committing adultery.
our immorality. Um, you know, you think about Jesus turning water to wine because this is one of the reasons there's a church in California now that started up a brewery in their church and now they serve beers while there's preaching and they say the more beer we serve, the more the sermons are, are received. And, and uh, he, the whole reason, the whole thing they're standing on is that Jesus drank wine. Friend, if Jesus drank wine, then he violated this and many other scriptures in the Bible that talk about wine and fermented and unfermented. This is, this is Solomon's way of saying this is an alcoholic thing we're talking about here. Because they had no word, they didn't use the word alcoholic. So your eyes are going to behold strange women, your heart's going to utter perverse things. Next verse. You shall be as he that lies down in the midst of the sea, or he that lies upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shall they say, and I was sick, and they have beaten me, and I didn't even feel it. When shall I wake? I want some more. The first mention of fermented wine in the Bible is connected with a homosexual act. The last mention of wine in the Bible is connected to wine of her fornication, fermented wine. Interesting. How it came on and how we see it go out. See, people, are, I know that everybody wants, well, what's wrong with alcoholic wine? Why do you need the alcohol? If you're a believer. Now, Paul said to Timothy, like a medicine, use a little. Stop drinking the water. Back then, they didn't have water like we had water for hydration. All right, we got all kinds of things for hydration. He would not have said the same thing today he said 2,000 years ago. To a person having stomach problem. I guarantee you, Paul the Apostle would not say today, standing on this stage, that if you're having a stomach problem, stop drinking water and use a little wine for your stomach sick and your often infirmities. He would not say that today. And don't let your flesh rise up and defend your wine by saying he did. He would say, friend, you know he wouldn't say that today. He's talking about, it, that was in the medicine area. And how many know it's wrong to keep taking certain medicines if you don't really need it anymore? We've got to watch out about using scriptures to promote things that we, that we feel we want and that give us physical pleasure or emotional pleasure. Friend, my question is, is God not enough? I heard one time these preachers on, on the stage on this thing I was checking out online and they were talking, they were de really defending this saying, Jesus drank wine and, and uh, then they, they had the question, well, what about causing a brother to offend? What about causing another brother to stumble? What about that? They said, well, we, you, you could eat chocolate cake and cause your brother to stumble. And I thought, there's just not something right about that. You need food to live. You do not eat alcohol to live. Man shall not live by bread. He didn't say by bread and wine alone. He said by bread alone. And then I ask somebody, say, well, what about people that are addicted to coffee? Show me how many people are dead because of drunk driving because of people drinking too much coffee. We're in a whole different zone here, church. Right, you can't use the, well, people are addicted to coffee. What about that? <clears throat> Go grow somewhere and learn some things because big difference. How many people do you know have beat up their wives because they had too much coffee? No. Serious business. No. They usually beat up their wives because they had started with a glass of wine and then three years later it was a six pack and then two years later after that it was tequila and then it was bang, you beat somebody up and killed them. Right. 
Why would we as Christians even want to be in 100 miles of that? Right. Somebody tell me. This is an open discussion. I want to know. And besides that, is not the Holy Spirit called our wine? Then why do we want the world's wine? Come on. Come on, there is a wine fest today, and it's sold out 50 bucks a pop, 210 for VIP seating. And look at our church, how many empty chairs there are. It's wrong, church. There's something wrong about that. It's not right. People can't wait to get out of church to go drink wine all day. And don't tell me I'm going to the wine fest and I'm going to just sip a little here. And sip. You can sip from now until five o'clock tonight. And don't tell me you're not going to sip more than to where your judgment's a little bit impaired. And nobody's going to tell me that Jesus is drinking wine, alcoholic wine. And when I say alcoholic, I mean, what do they say? Wine today, they, they make it so it's what, 11 to 17 percent alcohol. I don't know. But there's some wine that has, you know, 0.05. So obviously it can be different. So why would we say Jesus turned it into 17.5, alcohol? Where do you get that? Did the, did the Lord appear to you and tell you that? Because it's not in the Bible. Okay, I said I wasn't going to get that passionate about this. <laughs> Let's all sing Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus loves me, this I know. All right, that's good. I, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Come on, guys. I, here's what I saw. Acts 2.17, the Bible says, In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men are going to see visions. Your old men are going to dream dreams. I'm going to pour out my spirit, and there are going to be powerful things happening in the earth. So I was talking to Vicki Sharon. You thought I forgot about that, didn't you? And as I was talking to her a couple days ago, Pastor David Sharon's wife, she was talking about <clears throat> this, this move of God in the last days, and I saw this vision, not an open vision, but a, just an inward seeing. I saw young people of our generation and everybody, but young people were like at the forefront, and I saw a great move of God getting closer to the young people and the people of our day. I saw it, the, the thing we've all been crying out for, the thing we've all been praying for, the thing we've all been just wanting since we were born again. Coming like this. And all of a sudden, between the people of God wanting this amazing outpouring and the move of God, I saw this scrawny, hairy arm come up with a bottle of wine in it so that the people saw that and not the move of God. You don't have to believe it. Pray about it. I'm, it doesn't, I'm not trying to convince you, but that's what I saw. I saw a scrawny demon arm rise up with a bottle of wine in it. And it caught the attention of many of God's people. And they started going down a road that was not conducive with being filled with the Spirit and, and ushering in this amazing move of God. It's a problem, guys. There are, there are some people that have written some of the most amazing praise songs that really touch your emotions. And then I heard Vicky said there's a picture of one of them in a, a restaurant with a glass of wine and a big meal saying, I like my wine with my meal. I don't like those songs that much anymore. I mean, I, I'm trying to picture Keith Moore with a beer in his hand and me feeling exactly the same way I feel about him when he comes here to this church. Matter of fact, I thought about bringing a beer in church today and opening it. Psh, and lighten up a cigarette. 
in church? How many of you, be honest with me. How many of you would have a problem if I had a bottle of wine in here right now and I took a drink and I lighted up a cigarette? Raise your hand if you'd have a problem with that. Be honest with me. Why? What's your body? It's the house of God. This is a building we call the house of God, but scripturally speaking, this is the house of God. And if it's not okay for me to do this in here, why would it be okay for me to do this out there? Because no, you not. No, you not. No, you not. No, you not. Your body is the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. Why would it be wrong to drink a beer in church today? Because it's in the church. What's your body? No, that's why Paul said, don't you know? 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 Come on. No, what, Paul? What, 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 what? Your body is where God lives. And you're not even your own. Shouldn't you ask the Lord about it at least? I mean, how would you like it if I took your car, borrowed your car, and came back and painted it a whole different color? Maybe even a cheap paint that scrapes off. Why would I do that with your car? Because I don't know something. Because I don't know something. What about tattoos, Pastor? Ask the maker of your body if it's okay. Don't ask me. I didn't make your body. I didn't buy your body. He did. I suggest you ask him if he wants you putting a different color on it permanently. He might say yes. He might say no. I don't know. Ask him. Isn't it just common sense and respect to ask the owner? If you can do it, but see, God's not real to people. God's not real to believers. They think they're their own. They can do what they want. You know, when Jesus was offered wine, it said in Mark 15, he refused it. They tried to make him drink it and he refused it. Friend, if alcohol wasn't so out of control in the church, your pastor may not be preaching this, but it's totally out of control. It's pulling the people away from... Do you realize there are some people, some people in some churches, this blows me away. There are some people in some churches, they are leaving their church family. They are leaving ministering to the little lambs in children's church. They're leaving because they like wine more than their family. And it's a rule. It's a regulation. And they want to say, you know what? If I can't have my wine, goodbye, little lamb. Somebody else can minister to you. Goodbye, church. Somebody else can help you. I'm going somewhere where they don't let me drink. What's that called? Friend, that's called it's time to grow up, strip ourselves from all this stuff that's holding us back and trying to get us going down a road. I don't see anything good in alcohol at all, personally, unless it's doctor-prescribed or a medication. And then I would say, get off of it when you feel better. Just like I'd say with any kind of drugs. Demerol or, or whatever. Valium. Can you handle another scripture? Proverbs 31. The only reason I'm getting loud is because I've seen terrible things happen in this area. And if there's anything I can do to spare people from this, I, I feel like the Lord says, Son, I know, and I know this is probably not what you want. And I did, but I decided if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it with all my heart. So here we go. Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, that's Solomon, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and what, the son of my vows... 
Don't give strength unto women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. You say, well, okay, that's not for me. I'm just an average little certain disciple, you know, just... Well, let me remind you of a scripture in Revelation. Jesus has made us kings and priests. Not he's going to. Jesus, why do you think you're a royal people? Why do you think you have a royal law? Because you are royalty. Revelation says Jesus has made unto us, made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign forever. So don't think you're not a king. You, you might not look like one. You might not feel like one. But Jesus didn't lie. That's right. Say, I'm a king. I am a king. That's right. Don't give your ways to that which destroys kings. Next verse. It is not for kings, Olamiel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink to him that's ready to perish. In other words, give them some morphine if they need some. They're about ready to die if they need to get free from some pain. But that's not talking about living a life of morphine. No. That's called morphine addiction, and it's very sad. I've had friends that have died young because of these things. And give wine to those of a heavy heart. Well, who's he talking to? People who don't have the Holy Ghost. Duh. I need wine without my heavy heart. Not if you got the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're not going to go the Holy Ghost route, maybe you got to take some medicine. I don't know, but why don't, we go, why don't we go the Holy Ghost route when we can? If you got to go a natural route with some medicine once in a while, do it and grow in faith and just keep realizing God can help me in these areas. He's going to help me. He'll work through this. He'll help me grow. I mean, does the Bible say anything we can get out of alcohol, anything we can get from the Holy Ghost? Yes, sir. No, Pastor, that's from my spirit. The wine's from my body. He quickens your mortal body. Yep. J.B. Phillips' translation of Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't, believers, don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the spirit fill your souls. Yes. Mind, will, and emotion. There's always a danger of excessive drinking. So why even get close to it? If there's a danger of excessive drinking, why even get close to it? You know, I, I remember talking with Keith Moore about some things. And one time he was talking to me about some things. I had some problems and working through some stuff. He said, John, you need to stay 100 miles away from that. You're going to have to stay away from some things, even more than maybe some other people. You, 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 how many know it's good to just not even get in the vicinity? Right. Yeah. Hmm? How many think it's better to uh, uh, respect the sign at the top of the cliff, right? Instead of always needing an ambulance because you keep falling off. Right. right. <laughs> yep. So the scripture said, what did it say? Give strong drink to him that's ready to perish and wine to him that's of a heavy heart. If you have a heavy heart and you're not going to turn to the Lord, take, take a little medicine if you have to, but I, I'm encouraging you there's something better today. I'm not preaching this from a standpoint we don't know about. We know about this. We, we've lived this. We've been there. The Word will fix anything in your life. Spirit, soul, and body. The Spirit of God will touch any area of your life. Spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Would you give up something for the Lord? Yes. yes. I mean, completely give it up until He comes. Yes. Why? 
Why would you give up something for the... Well, one reason, he gave up everything for us. Alcohol is a big problem in our, country, in our country and in our generation. Huge problem. So many... I had a whole list of things that, um, that are not good. But instead of getting into that, let, let's just close this. Can we just say this or something better? Pastor, you're taking away my fun. I have good news for you. There's something better. Oh, there's something better. Mm-mm-mm, there's something better. The, the issue has been some people didn't want what God said was better. They want what the world says is better. Jesus turned water into wine for unregenerate, unsaved, and non-spirit-filled people. And if he's encouraging us to drink wine, where's your bottle? I want to see it now. And I want mine. If he's encouraging us to drink wine, we need to be drinking 24-7. And I'm going to jump up to vodka because if it's the alcohol that makes it what it is, I want, the, I want 40% alcohol. I want really good, 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 good stuff. Come on, if it's the alcohol content, you know that's what it is. Yes, sir. <laughs> Just can't picture Jesus with a Coors casting out a devil at the same time. And I can't picture you calling on me to cast the devil out of your child who just overdosed on LSD if I have a beer in my hand. No, there are some things we have to give up. What was the very first scripture? Love insists not on its own rights or its own ways. Love yields to, love yields to higher things than what it wants. Hmm. Let me see if I can make sure I got all this out here. Okay, something better. Flee the appearance. If God wants is in you, why would you need alcohol in you? Okay, water to wine. Scrawny demon arm. Bottle of wine. <laughs> all right. For all you that still think it's okay, and, and no problem, I, I love you. I'm not saying you know, you're sinning. That's between you and the Lord. I did find this scripture, though, that says, if we do something that does wound a weak brother's conscience, if we do something, they hear about us doing something, and it, and it wounds their conscience, we sin against Christ. Come on. We sin against Christ. How many think we should just kind of stay way away from that? Even if the this isn't that wrong, but it goes to this. How about we just stay way away from that and say, praise God, we got God on the inside of us. There's a lot of people that are slipping into this alcohol consumption and it's ripping them off of the path God had for their life, which was way better. It's a distraction of the enemy. It's called diversionary warfare. And it's, and, it's, and it's hooking more believers than they want to admit. It's a problem. Big problem. There are, I said this on um, Friday, but I've actually talked to somebody. I'm not saying anybody here, but I've talked to some people in this area. And you feel the same spirit in defending of wine as I feel in the homosexuals defending their homosexuality. If I don't accept it and believe it like they do, they'll always have some doubt in them that it's really right. They have to have me believing with them that it's okay, or they'll always have a little bit of doubt on the inside of them that it's okay. They need me to believe with them because they're not fully persuaded themselves. 
If you're fully persuaded yourself, leave me alone. I don't have to accept your flaky ways, just like you don't have to accept my Christianity ways, but leave me alone. I'm not going to push it on you. Don't you push it on me. And I've sent some of that in the same area of people defending these things. It's the same. It's like the cousin spirit. You know, it's like demon cousins or something. It's not right to try to have to make some. Listen, you need to believe what I believe and you need to accept this as right. No. You know, I'm just at a point like God. You want to be filthy? Be filthy still. I'm not talking about wine here. You want to be filthy? You be filthy still. You want to be righteous? Be righteous still. Because you need to just get settled in one because we're too close to the end to jump out and jump back. God himself said that he gave people over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. He gave them up. He said, if you want it, they wanted it so long and so strong, he just said, go. And they think that the conviction that's gone is a sign that maybe it's okay, not realizing they have been given over to a reprobate mind. You know, that's interesting, but sometimes, sometimes when the devil knows you're on his track, he will back off with his oppression from your life, and you'll think it's God's approval, when all it is is the devil taking off a little oppression. Do you understand that? I read an article recently about a girl who said I got delivered from evangelical purity. What? Yeah. She said I got delivered from evangelical purity. She said all my life I just resisted having sex, you know, until I was married. I just resisted. I felt so bad if I got close to it. And all my heart just smote me. And it was so bad. And it was just so hard. And one day I just said, you know what? I'm just going to separate my spirituality from my sexuality. I'm going to have sex with somebody. She said I had sex with this guy. And I felt God in the room. Oh, no, she did not. So she said, You know what she felt? She felt no more oppression of the devil. She didn't feel God's approval. See, people are so bound by oppression, when the devil does back off, they think that's God. That it could be just the devil backing off. To keep, why would the devil want to take you off of a road that he wants you on? Of course, until the end, then. No, 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 no. We stay out of sin so we don't regress, right? We lay aside weights so we progress. Does that make sense? Wine is a weight to many people. It's a weight. It's not a sin. And I'm not talking about drunkenness and excess. I'm talking about a lot of people, this wine issue is a weight and it's also supposed to be laid aside. If you're going to go up and be, be where you're supposed to be. And I say, Pastor, I guess I need to make this clear. We've got we to stop here. But I guess I need to, Psalm 104. Turn there. But I, I want, you know who I want in our church? I want people who drink wine in our church. I want people who drink beer in our church. I want people that are sleeping with people and living with the people they shouldn't be living. I want prostitutes. I want drug addicts. I want them all in our church. Because I believe if they hang around us long enough, they're not even going to care about that little stuff anymore when they see the better. In your life. In my life. I think it's time we show the world in half of three quarters of the church we don't need alcohol as much as we thought. We don't need it. There is a Holy Ghost. He is called our new wine. Well, wait, wait, wait. Well, Jesus drank wine. You have to stretch scripture and stretch your imagination to say he drank fermented wine. Or, plus, if he did, he violated many of these scriptures that he said he came to fulfill. Huh? Well, yeah, but, but, but Jesus said he drank wine and, and ate meat. No, it didn't. Listen, church, you need to listen to this. Jesus said, John comes 
neither eating meat nor drinking wine. And they say, everybody say they say. They say say he has a devil. He said, I come eating and drinking. He did not say meat and he did not say wine for a reason. He said, the son of man comes eating and drinking. And they say, behold, they say, everybody say they say. They say, say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine bibber. Jesus hung around these people. And just like if you hang around certain people, people are going to think you're doing everything they're doing. And he made it very clear, he's not doing everything they're doing. You may like to hear this, but I don't believe Jesus violated these Old Testament scriptures by drinking wine and looking at it when it swirled in the cup, when it was fermented. I don't believe he did. He drank fruit of the vine, but he did not drink alcoholic wine. I cannot see it. It goes against tons of other scriptures. It goes against tons of other parts of the characters of Christ, and it doesn't make sense. How about this, guys? How about if it is okay? You still willing to give it up for the Lord if it would help you be more on fire for God or help other people go the right direction, not get close to cliffs that they might fall off? But I can handle it. Somebody watching you may not be able to handle it. So 104, and we'll we'll close with this. Are we leading young believers God is sending to our church away from potential danger or closer to it? Psalm 104, verse 15. Some people will use this scripture to say that God almost encourages us to drink alcoholic wine. Wine that maketh the heart of wine that maketh glad the heart of man. Oh, can you go to the verse before that? <clears throat> he, the, the psalmist is saying, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle, herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. And wine. God causes wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil maketh his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. Again, you have to add to Scripture to say this is fermented wine. You have to add to Scripture to say it. Let me ask you a question. Anybody ever been glad with an ice cold glass of lemonade after a hard day's work and you're sweating and you're really thirsty? Anybody ever been glad? Your heart ever been glad with that? Why does there have to be alcohol in it for you to be glad? Why does there have to be alcohol in it for you to be glad? I'll tell you why. Because there's an enemy disguising himself as an angel of light. Saying all these scriptures are so you can have the physical fun you want to have and still be an on-fire Christian. Now, if you think I preach strong about this, listen to George Pearson's, Kenneth Copeland's pastor. There's there's an epidemic happening in these last days and it's pulling innocent people into a a road and into a life. The devil's never going to just do something. He's not going to... I didn't see him holding up a pentagram. You know, the Satan worship icon. I, I didn't see this arm holding up a pentagram between the people of God and the great move of God. I saw something that appears okay, even according to some scriptures. Why would the Lord tell, why, why, would, why would Paul say, now bishops don't be given the wine, but Jesus w- was able to? <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. Well, why, why would you say, bishops, now pastors, don't be given the wine. And then talk about deacons. Don't be given the wine. But Jesus could? Couldn't they just go, well, I'm Paul, I'm just going to follow Jesus. Forget what you said. Right. Right. What's wrong with this picture? Everything. Right. Everything. So Paul tells pastors not to drink wine, but Jesus did. Well, what, why, why can't a pastor just say, Fool on what you said, Paul, I'm following Jesus? 